Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everyone. Welcome to a rainy northeastern United States day. Um, thunderstorms. I, my power just came on literally three minutes ago. So if I lose it again during the show, I apologize. But hopefully we'll have enough people to finish the show. Um, so, I know, right? It'll be see who drops off because I'm getting that weather now. You're gonna get it right after that. Really, I mean, trees were crazy outside. It was nuts. And, and, yeah. and, and well, was, of, of right. course, of course, with everything, I'm usually the person who gets something earlier, since I'm a little west, and you guys usually get our weather a day later. And yeah. Last, last night, you know, relaxing after dinner, went outside and burned some wood in the fire pit. And, uh, you know, came in about 10 o'clock and about five minutes later, it sounded like God was having a, uh, was bowling, you know, your favorite yeah. song for us, because it just like, I mean, all of a sudden the, the sky lit up, the wind picked up and I didn't get this, but apparently some people in the Buffalo area had hail on top of, on top of rain. Yeah. So, we had hail here when it was happening. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it lasted, it lasted about an hour. It was, uh, it was pretty interesting, I would say. Always fun. The one thing that you had mentioned, Mike, um, he would be able to bowl because you could literally bowl until the age of 100. And <laughs> that does make sense. That jersey I'm wearing today, guys, by the way. Uh -huh. uh, so far, I haven't been able to get it. So it's, it's pretty obscure, but it's kind of cool. Um, Is it okay. the Seattle Metropolitans? Nope. Seattle doesn't have a name, Mike. No, the old Metropolitan. Nope. No, no. I know. No. A new team doesn't have a name. No. All right. So far, so uh, is now murder, is it the Seattle Murder Hornets? No, that's what it should be. Now to Russ with something to say. <laughs> so, with the MLB draft coming up, and it's just a week away now, down to five rounds from where it used to be around thirty. Uh, there's some players dropping out of the draft, and so I count here like five top prospects have just dropped out and they're not all like, you know, top five, the first five picks, but they're anywhere from the, you know, fifties to sixties to a couple that were really high and they're all either going to college or staying in college. And that's great for them, but there's still going to be a, a, a fair amount of high schoolers that don't have a college to go to at the moment. And now we're going to have to sort of sweat out where they're going to play I want to say five more years of this pathetic MLB draft is going to severely hurt the sport because you are now going to make sure everybody plays until they're a senior in college. They're still not going to be ready for major league baseball. And now you've basically set back a year or two of their development because you really can't develop in college baseball and go right to the pros. It'll never happen. So now to save money, you have set back the development of the young players in the sport. Well, we, we welcome Joe Yurden to the show. And, Joe, I wanted to wanted to ask you this because uh, along the lines of what Russ is talking about, when you have major league teams cutting 
45 players like the, I think guess the Yankees did that a couple days ago and other teams have, have just, and these aren't their top prospects. These are the guys who are just sort of on minor league deals that are filling the double A, triple A roster, but still that's sort of like the core group that, you know, plays every day. I mean, it can't be good for the sport in general that all these teams are just dropping all these players like a, like a bad habit. No, no, not in the least. That's uh to me, what's happening with with minor league baseball, and I mean, this goes this goes back to them, you know, trying to you know trying to lim- eliminate teams and and really cut down the minor league levels. Is that it's you, you have all these players who are, you know, counting on at least having that ladder to to climb up and to take part and and try to get to the pros, but those those steps are being taken away. And, and you know, I know some of some of these teams that are being eliminated are going to try to survive, you know, as independent teams, but you know, a lot of these teams they they make a living off of being affiliated with the major league with the major league squads, and you know, paring down like this just it doesn't make a ton of sense, you know, because minor league ball's just been a woven into everybody's summers, you know, across all of these leagues, and yeah. you know, so many of these towns and cities have, have dropped some real money to build stadiums for them, and yeah, and you know, you're you're talking about just saying, you know, we don't care about that, we just want to save money for ourselves, and that. You know, from the owner's perspective, I mean, it, it it's foolish. You know, baseball's a ten billion dollars uh, a year product, and you know these owners are are crying poor consistently. It's just a lot of this stuff just does not make any sense on the whole. And it, you know, the players, I mean, they've already been stiffing the minor league players like crazy as it is, and now you're just gonna cut them. You know, just cut them loose and say like, well, good luck, fellas. Go go find a go find a real job, I guess. And you know, I, I mean, I guess that's a hardship a lot of people can understand. Um, in general, but I mean, for ball players, I mean, th- this was something that that, that they like were that was their dream. To. Yeah, that was yeah, their dream. Like they were building towards that. It's not like a lot of them had a secondary idea of what they might want to do with their life, and so now, yeah, all of a sudden that dream's dead, and now you've got to be up and running trying to figure out what to do with the rest of your life. That's tough. I did just see this, and I don't know. This is this shocks me. It may not shock you guys. I didn't realize BJ Surhoff was the top pick in the MLB draft once oh, upon yeah. a time. Like I have to believe there were better picks than that. He was a really good player, but he was never great. He was a catcher. That's why he yeah. was a catcher. Russ, you know, you're not. You're, you're forgetting how how hot his rookie card was back in the day. Everybody, I, no, I do. Every, everybody wanted wanted a BJ Surhoff rookie because they're like, oh my god, he's going to be so good. And, <laughs> yeah, you know how many yeah, packs? Yeah. Of, you know how many packs of the eighty five of the it was an eighty four set I bought. 84 tops to get um, uh, Dwight Gooden rookies and Mattingly rookies. And uh, yeah, I just walked in and bought a Gooden rookie. I didn't even bother. Of course I, of course I missed it by a year. The, like I started collecting, collecting again, in, like 84 and I've got like 5,000 Ron Darling rookies with zippity doodah, but I missed out on Gwyn Sandberg, Boggs. I have I have yeah. one one of those cards, all from the 83 set. All right, so we're going to do a quick redraft of the 85 draft. The Brewers screwed up, Joe. They did. Number two, Will Clark. No way. Yeah. <laughs> number two, number two, Will Clark. Right there is a better pick. Okay. Now, number three, Bobby Witt. I get it. He threw like 150 miles an hour. Five. In all directions. Barry Larkin, a Hall of Famer, number four. Kurt Brown. Ooh. Chicago White Sox. That's a swing and a miss. Barry Bonds, number six. Mike Campbell. Oops. Okay, that's that's sort of a swing and a miss. He's a great guitar player for Tom Petty. Pete Cavilia, number eight. I'm going to argue that there's four picks there better than Serhoff. Mm. 
I, again, it's a catcher thing, Russ. It's the catcher. Thing. I guess it was the catcher thing. Yeah. But he ended up as an outfielder too, right? Because he sure. didn't. Yeah, he didn't even catch his whole career. I think he's yeah. an infielder as well. Yeah, um, third third base, I think. Yeah. yeah. Well, they could have had Barry Larkin. Oh well. And to anyway, you, let's get on to hockey and start yeah. the show. There's a free <laughs> show for those of you who are enjoying the sport of baseball. And we'll talk a little NBA too, if you. Greg want. Jeffries, number twenty. That's my nightmare. Oh boy. Drink <laughs> to that one. Uh, hello, Hockey World. It is Wednesday, June 3rd, 2020. I'm Michael Agello, and I've recovered from the Buffalo Thunder and Lightning. Russ. Oh, yeah, because Joe. I'm Russ Cohen. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Eklund. You're watching Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com. This is the podcast that comes every Monday through Friday. It's time to fill you in on the comings and goings in the hockey world. We are joined by a wonderful guest, Mr. Joe Yerden. How are you, Joe? Doing great, guys. Wonderful to be with you again. And just like, just like Mike. Survive the the overnight hailstorm. Although I haven't checked in my car, so uh -oh. <laughs> maybe maybe I'll be grumpy afterwards after this is all over with. Yeah, we did. That was, that was the that was the only thing we didn't get was the hail. I think that happened. happened regardless of what happened to your car. You're doing our shows. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's a consolation prize. There you go. <laughs> grumpy as it is, uh, we're going to get into the uh, Buffalo Sabers today. Um, because they are they are my team of the day today that I'm working that I did a little thing on in the morning. I'm going to continue writing about them as the day goes on here, um, and we're going to talk about what they're going to do in the offseason. That's why we're having Joe on because Joe's the best guy we can find to do that, and he's uh, fantastically knowledgeable about the Sabers. But before we do that, Mike and Russ, we have um, we're also trying to guess the jersey I'm wearing, which so far no one has gotten. What? How is that possible? You know it. You know it, Joe. Oh, I know. I know it 100. percent Yes. All right, give it to us. The figures Joe would know it. <laughs> That's Mystery Alaska, is it not? That's oh, correct. Thank uh, you. That's I watched that movie. I don't remember it. Yeah, I'm sorry. The only two Rush, you love this movie. I, I did like it. I didn't love the movie on this very show. I did like it. Is that the so Russell Crowe? Is he the captain? That's the Russell Crowe. Yeah. This was his. Uh, I guess his name. Right, the, right. And uh, yeah. Don Don B an homage to Don Beebe. Yeah, uh, there you go. I know. I was really shocked. And no one. Thanks. Don Beebe, another fleeting Buffalo it, Bill player. Yeah, at least, caught, at least he caught Leon Lett. Um, oh, that's that's the, the uh, that's the jersey from the from the final game, correct? Yeah, right, correct against the Rangers, right? Yes. Yeah, the, the only good thing about that movie—they beat the Rangers. Let's point that out before that comes up again. Yeah. No, yeah. Was it a tie? Wasn't it a tie? I thought they won. I thought they tied them, or that they lost. They lost in the last second. They, they didn't. There was no I, I don't remember now. Yeah, I, I, it was, so it was a sub part. The only good things about that movie are Russell Crowe, Burt Reynolds, and Mary McCormick. Other than that, it was. I'm not sure Burt Reynolds was good. It's a pretty. No, good it's, movie. it's just Burt Reynolds. Come on, I mean, it's a pretty good movie. It's a really cool jersey. Like you know, I think the way they put it together, it's really kind of cool. Um, yeah. You know, and and uh, yeah, so I've, I've been like just pulling out my pulling out my most obscure jerseys recently. I really want to do like uh, you know there's some awesome jerseys in the WHA like the WHA had some incredible. See, jerseys. I won't get any of them because I didn't get any WHA coverage in New York when I was growing up. So yeah, I'm, yeah, I, mean, yeah. I, I really didn't. I didn't either. But I've just I'm a Jersey guy, so I like I have a collection yeah. of jerseys. So I, I know the Toronto Toros, and that's about it. That's pretty, um, the, the really good one is the um, the Cowboys. Um, I forget which they are, but oh, the Calgary, 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 Calgary Cowboys. I think they were, and uh, um, their jerseys are amazing. So let, let's just start with this because uh, Renaud Lavoie of TVA Sports about an hour ago tweeted out um, that the NHL and the PA are going to be in contact this week regarding the playoff formats, the whether it's best of five, best of seven, or the brackets or reseeding. Joe, first, for, first to you because 
you know, I, it, from what we were talking about yesterday, it seems like the NHL is open to anything that the players really want, that they're not going to, you know, go to the wall. If they, we got to have seven games or we got to have five games that they, they'll, they'll pretty much be compliant to whatever the, the PA will do. But what do you think that they're, they're going to want? Do you think they'll want five or do you think they'll want seven? Uh, I think, I think because players are a creature of habit, I think they'll want seven. Um, yeah. Uh, I, to me, I think you have to make a delineation between what's the actual playoffs and what's the play in. So I understand doing best of five in this early round. Plus, I I think if you're doing best of seven, though, what do you do with those top four yeah. teams that are doing a, a round robin? I mean, if they're yeah. just going to only get three games yeah, and they have to wait around for some of these first round uh, things to finish or these play in rounds to finish up. They're they're gonna be sitting around another week after yeah. you know after a training camp and and playing basically three glorified exhibition games. I I don't I don't think that's gonna work out unless you put some kind of higher stakes. I mean, getting to be the number one seed, I guess, is is pretty good stakes. But there's no home ice. There's none of that. So yeah, I, I almost, to me, it doesn't make a lot of sense to to extend out that playing round. I, I almost get the feeling that the NHL is going to have to implement some sort of rule like they do in the preseason that you're going to have to have a certain amount of veterans playing in those games because what's going to stop Boston and Tampa Bay from basically playing half of the Syracuse Crunch and Providence Bruins? I know, the, I know they I know they want to get like their veteran players and get them some game action, get up to speed a little bit, but they also have to be concerned about injuries going into the playoffs that really count. They know that they're in. Why would Boston risk Bergeron? or Chara getting hurt in the game before the real playoffs start. I mean, if I'm like Tampa, I play Zach Bogosian 30 minutes a game. Well, that's a guaranteed <laughs> loss then. <laughs> but they, they won't care. But at, least, mean, at least you'll be getting something out of them. I, I think players are just creatures of habit that they're going to just – they're not. They're just gonna. They're gonna let him play out. I think they're, because they're, they're. You don't want. You don't want him to get in any bad habits at all. You really want him to get playing with each other. They haven't played together for such a long time. Um, there's no. There's no consequence to these games. I'm not saying there's a consequence to the games, but I'm saying they're not gonna. They're gonna play. They're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna play their goalies three in a row. I can tell you that. I would. I mean, I, I mean, it depends. It depends if if they're if they're every other night or. I mean, I'm just if they're back to back nights or whatever. You know. You oh, should. there's gonna be back to backs. I'm pretty sure of it. I don't know if there will be with the with with the. Tournament, little mini tournament at the top because you know they were like like you know Joe saying they're only three games there so if they're playing a best of five in the other places they can stretch out those best of those three games they have to play so I don't think they will be back to backs with those I, I doubt that. Mm-hmm. Now the, now I, the go ahead, Russ. I was just gonna say I, I I think it should be five, but I also think they should want to get them all over with as as soon as they can and kind of advance the you know the, the puck forward I always like to say the ball advance it forward and like Joe said not to keep those other teams waiting to kind of keep it fluid but also just you know conference finals and Stanley Cup at seven is fine everything else is I don't think I don't think even fans would want best of seven to be honest I don't think I think so I think I think I think with the exception of the play and I think everyone wants best of seven and I, I think the players really do I don't Mike do you want best of seven for those earlier I don't no I I, I I'd be flexible enough to even say that the first round should be best of five if you're concerned right. about a, a flare-up. I, I want to get the I want these playoffs to be as consequential as possible so there is no asterisk, but I also am respectful of the fact that they need to get them done in a window. Correct. So if they start the playoffs and say late July or say August 1, get it done by October 1st, then have the draft, then have free agency, then they can start the next season 
December, December 15th or something like that before Christmas, you know, and they, I think they have to get that next season uh, started before January. Cause I, I can't imagine they can play a full 82 game schedule if they start January one. That to me, that's a, that would be a disaster. Now, Joe, do you, do you, um, you, you think best of seven too, right? Joe, you're thinking that. Uh, I think it, once you get to the actual final 16 teams, I think best of seven the whole way through is that I think that's how it's going to work because that's the only way you can compare. Yeah. Uh, playoffs you know right. from, from the past right. and into now I, you know unless you want to start digging into the uh the 80s divisional rounds where those for those for yeah, those they first had five like, was yep. a best of five but yeah. I mean, that, that seems like a long gone memory yeah, but I mean, quite that's a even fuzzy by my memory so but, I, but you yeah. know what this is going to be I a long gone memory sorry this is going to be a long gone memory too joe down the road i mean nobody's going to want to remember this season anyhow let's be real about it yeah, I, I I can understand that. I mean, it's it's you know everything is just everything attached to this to the way this the season's going to end out is is attached to bad things. Um, yeah. So you don't really want to remember it. But I mean, at the same point, the league wants to, they don't want to have a league shut. You know, they don't want to have a, a a cup not handed out by a pandemic right. again. Right. And you know, for the first time in over a hundred years, and they they certainly don't want to lose the money. <laughs> on that i think that's yeah. the biggest part so um that's yeah. uh that's i mean these these are all these are all reasons to just want to kind of forget about it but when it comes down to it if they can hand out the cup in you know october they're fine with that yeah and I have one more suggestion yeah. handing out the cup in october is good you might as well have the draft october 3rd on my birthday and this way every draft pick who goes up there can wish me a happy birthday <laughs> i think um that would be great the big, the big, the big thing that i'm hearing about this, you know, the other the other thing, of course, we're talking about is the um, whether or not you're going to brackets for the top teams going to play every time. The, the, you know, the, the brackets are or the reseeding, um, and you know, I'm definitely and the players definitely have been for the reseeding. They don't want brackets; they want the best team to play the worst team. The players are def that's definitely their opinion, right? Um, the other side of that, and I was always like, why wouldn't they do that? It makes sense because they're all in the same thing. But you know, it really pointed out to me again today when I talked to somebody that the other side of that, the reason that the NHL likes brackets actually. Is because you can play the second round before the first round ends in certain cases, and you know, so you so basically, if you have a bracket, so so if you have to wait for all all the all eight teams, you know, to get through, you have to wait. You you can't have, play a single game in the next round. And in this situation, if you have a bunch of series that end in five or four, or you know, have some you know whatever you and you have every you have ten teams sitting around or you know whatever you have like eight teams sitting around waiting for this other. Waiting for one more series to play two or three more games. That that's 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 what they're worried about. They, yeah, they're, 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 there's there's a downside to that though, because if you have one if you have one bracket where a team sweeps and they move on and they're in the second round and they get so far ahead of the other bracket that they're going to be off for six or seven days or something like that. And I've seen that happen in the NBA sometimes. Yeah, that really is. It, I, I it's inherently unfair. Now all these teams are rested because they've been off. They're going to be off for four to five months before they get started. But once you get playing, once you get into playoff competition, then rest in between these rounds or even in between games is going to be critical for a team being able to win or not. And I, I just think, you know, if you wait until the entire round is done, maybe there'll be a little bit of time in between and it'll, it'll kill some time, but I think it's fairer all around. But I, I you know, again, I don't think it's going to be a big issue for the players or for the owners. I think they'll go either way. Yeah. 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 Any thoughts on that one, Joe? Uh, you know, 
the, the problem I have with if you try to advance, if you try to start another round before the other one's done, is you have the issue that the AHL runs into, uh, or at least the at least they they have in the past where. You know, granted, scheduling there is is a different beast. You know, they, they have to schedule for weekends and, and they have to do it that way. But, I mean, you were talking about cases later in those playoffs where, you know, the, the Eastern Conference would be basically done and the West was still kind of just starting the final round. And you're like, boy, if you're the East team and you're already through and you're waiting for yeah. that for that opponent in the Calder Cup final and you got to wait a week and a half, two weeks. Right. That's right. how you wrapped up. I mean, that's not going to be the case here because of the pod system. So, yeah. But I mean, if you sweep a if you sweep around and you're waiting for your opponent, that goes seven. Right. And you're talking about maybe waiting, you know, six days, six yeah. seven days at least for that to finish. So yeah. that's tough. I mean, that's that's really hard. But uh, but at the same sense, it, I think the debate is what's fair and what's, yeah. what's right to keep yeah. it moving on. And I think at this point now, where it's everything's just been shut down. I, I right. think everything's just kind of fair. I think if you just say whatever it, and just go ahead, uh, I think that's yeah. fine. Yeah, I think everything's fair too. I mean, there should be a benefit to sweeping it, to sweeping a team and getting some rest. You know, that's the other thing you can bring into play there, you know, for sure. There's a benefit, you know, if, if you come up, if you have to play right away again, what's the benefit of sweeping a team necessarily? Um, there is that too. Yeah. I, I mean, the, the, the big thing is that if you're sitting around for like six days, it's one thing to sit around for six days at home and have practices with your team. It's another thing to sit around for six days in quarantine. You know, like if you're if these 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 players sit around for six days in quarantine, that's that's why the, that's why the the the, uh, the the top four teams are playing the tournament. They're like they don't want these guys sitting around in quarantine. They basically that's really the whole point. Of it. Yeah, unless they're in Vegas and they want to go play some craps. Well, yeah. I mean, if you're the casino, you can make a hell of a lot of money. If you're the casino that hosts this thing, oh my gosh. Um, yeah, <laughs> there's no choice about that. Um, but uh, let's move on to the Buffalo Sabers. And yeah, I, let, let, let me. Unless you want to start, Doc, I, I have a, I have one right off the top for, for Joe. Okay, Joe, I was on, I was in on all the uh, the Zoom uh, video um, interviews with uh, with uh, Botterill and with the number of players and, and Ralph Kruger. Mm -hmm. um, just to start start off with Botterill, uh, our colleague John Waro broke the story right before the day before regarding. Uh, Terry and Kim Pagula bringing back Bottrell for uh, a fourth year. Uh, the reaction in the Buffalo media, the reaction of the fans was not positive uh, to that. And I think it puts Bottrell in a really odd position because clearly I think he needs to win or he loses his job. And this is a team that really, as we saw uh, many games this year, there's some good pieces there, but there's still a team – I think short on talent and very critical areas. And you're putting a general manager in a position that he's got to win or lose his job. And that's when you're in a desperate straight like that, then you may make bad moves. And that's where I think it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a tenuous situation with the Sabres going into next year. Yeah. This is, this is something where a lot was built on this year for Bottrell uh, yeah. when it came to cap management and, this is the year. This is a season where they've got a lot of money coming off off the books. It's about 30, 30 to forty million dollars. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a lot, um, and they're in a weird situation because they've got some big RFAs to get figured out. Whether you know Sam Reinhardt, Brandon Montour, uh, you've got Rasmus Dahlin eligible to sign a new contract, you know, an extension uh, when the off season begins, uh, whatever date that winds up being. But um, you're talking about a lot of money getting 
funneled right back onto the books after this. And this is this is the year he's supposed to prove his his cap management, you know, uh, skills. And this was something where he was, you know, this a lot was built up to this. And it's compared to the Buffalo Bills. You know, this is what Brandon Bean had to do where he cut down lots of money and was able to build the the roster up in the in the, the way that he wanted to. The issue here with Botro though is that you know the the coach that he started with was Phil Housley and he's gone. And now he has Ralph Kruger who's his guy and that's that's good. Right. Um, but you're trying to build a roster that started getting built for one coach and that's still mm-hmm. you know it's getting remade again under another coach which is I mean that's part of the problems they've been running into. You know you have coaches all have different styles and there's no doubt Housley's style is different from Kruger's. Housley's was a lot more open, a lot more offense in mind and it just it didn't work there it, the defensive part of this works for the Sabres because they do lack the talent uh, but filling out the roster when you need more goals you need more offense and you need better penalty killing is is difficult because those yeah. guys can get brought in on a budget uh, except for the scorers and finding yeah. those scorers is impossible without swinging trades so then you have to win trades and that's that's an area where it's been a little dicey I mean we don't have to relitigate the O'Reilly trade that's I mean he's guilty of making a bad trade but you know but but how Montour worked out under Kruger you you have to start wondering is that a good trade for them you know they gave up a first round pick to get him you know has that worked out well Well, you know maybe if they get Montour back on the right side of the ice then that would be good having him play his offhand probably not the best but yeah um, but it's it's something where there's a lot on the line for for the future of this team and if he can't get this whole thing squared away this summer it's basically up to Ralph to like save his neck because it's, you know, this is all building up to now. And if it doesn't work, then that's a, that's a big problem because that's going to set everything back a long way. And then you have to start thinking about, you know, how the guys who have been here for four or five years, not necessarily guys who've been here seven, eight years are going to want to say, you know, I, I don't want this anymore. And that would make, you could not blame any of them for feeling that way. Yeah, and you know, I, that it really is interesting. It does exactly go you to know, my biggest question I have for you today, which is who you know who that they have going out the door. Like these, they all these RFAs, all these UFAs. I mean, the RFAs aren't going out the door necessarily, but they like you said, they've got a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and these UFAs, who are Ralph Kruger players? Like you watched them play now with this guy. Who does he like? Like I know he likes Saboka, right? But he's Saboka is kind of yeah. You, you, yeah, I don't think you can count on him. Um, no. You know, um, the, who are the players that you know that you need them? Because obviously, what the hope in here is that you have to build a Ralph Kruger team, like you have to build that team. Mm-hmm. Well, I think who, that who, one of the guys for him is a guy like Johan Larson. Okay. Um, but I think they're I think they're in a spot now where he might end up being too costly to keep. I mean, having keeping right. him around at you know one point seven five two million dollars a year that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but now you're in a spot where he's very valuable at what he does, and that line right. proved it all season. I mean, yeah. listen, I know they don't score a ton of points. They don't, you know, him and Gergensen's and Opozo. Like that's that line was their consistently best line all yep. year. I mean, but that's in the role that they play. It's, you know, it's a, it's a get the puck back, retain possession, drive the other team crazy line, which you need that. I mean, that if this team made the playoffs, that line would be driving everybody nuts. Yeah. Um, But that's Kruger's Kruger's style right there. I mean, that's right. And you know, they're in a spot where they, you know, they have some guys, they got to get figured out like how they're going to use them the right way. Jeff Skinner. I mean, well, all right. How do you have him scoring, you know, only scoring as many goals as he did and not have a center to play with him? Right. So, right. So you have those guys. That's fine. We we know player development 
I think is broken there. And I don't know if they're going to do anything to spend money to fix it in the offseason. We know that Terry Pagula's own business isn't doing great. So that 30 million in cap space, probably not going to get fully utilized. And if you do make trades, you are still giving up assets that you need. It'd be better if they could solve it in free agency because they're not loaded in the farm system, even with the last few rounds of picks. They have some good prospects, but again, varying degrees of close and not close. Even Mike and I were, were talking about Pekka and you know, even he didn't get enough AHL time that last year. So now he needs at least one more season, maybe two more seasons of the AHL just to see what he could do with the NHL. And if he can't do it, then you've got even a bigger problem. Now you all of a sudden don't even have a potential franchise goalie. Everywhere I look at them, Joe, you were saying, like, I looked at, you know, save percentage. I looked at goals. Mm -hmm. They're like 21, 22, 23 for everything in the league. They are in that NHL nowhere spot. And mm -hmm. I don't think Botterill could get out of it, even if everything clicked right in one season. I, and, and I think that it's all set up for that. And I think it's almost an impossible task. Well, I think they're, they're in a good spot. In some ways, it's weird because they're not just bad. Like if they were bad right. across the board, then you could say like, well, right. it's, a, it's a lost cause. Right. But the way Linus Elmark played this year was 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 really good. And yeah. I know if you just look at the basic save percentage, you say like, well, that's that's average. But this team got rolled on penalty kills. And right. I mean, I think Hutton and Elmark's penalty kill save percentage was below 890 both of them and they, they tied each other with the same percentage so the issue was the pk it wasn't necessarily the goaltending it's just you know yeah. you're you're you know you're giving up bad stuff all over the place and it hurt both of them it just hurt omar yeah. more because him omar at five on five was a 930 goalie like that's yeah that's top 10 in the league yeah it's really almost cool. top five so i mean he's he's right, wow he took a step and you have you know so the goaltending might actually be there uh, scoring it might wise, be. I scoring can't say it isn't, but it might not be either. Right, and you know, goalie goaltending's voodoo. I mean, that's that's what we've talked about all the time, anyways. But the yeah, scoring, yeah. you got to get the scoring figured out. I think the defense isn't quite as bad as it as it may seem at times. But I mean, there, there's things you got to figure out. I mean, they had great seasons from Yoki Haru. Darlene turned it up very much in the second half. Right, uh, yeah. McCabe, McCabe played well. The turnovers were a problem, but he played a lot better. Uh, yeah, but you got to get Montour figured out. You got to figure out what the hell you're doing with Ristolainen, and then and yeah. I think from there you can just kind of you can tinker with things from there. But well, man, I, I mean, it's there's so, there's so many things where it's just like tweak this, tweak that, and this team could be a playoff team. Well, if I had if my main my main criticism regarding Bottrell was the handling of the blue line because I think I talked to you early in the season, Joe, and they you know they had nine NHL defensemen. You know, uh, Colin Miller did not play well in his first season with the Sabres. He didn't seem to fit in. Montour had his struggles. But they had Scandella, and they trade him for a fourth-round pick, and then Montreal flips him for a second. That that puts egg on Botterill's face because he didn't handle it well. Now, you know, okay, he didn't know Bonemeister was going to go down in St. Louis and the, there would be the demand there. But there's there are always teams that need defensemen, and they had an excess of defensemen. And now, you know, they they terminate Bogosian's contract. Pilot is going to the KHL. They have depth in the organization. A guy like Will Borgen, I think, 
is an NHL defenseman, maybe not now, then next season. They had depth there, and they did, unlike the Bills who traded guys like Sammy Watkins for a second-round pick and traded some of their players and got draft picks, there was opportunities to get draft picks for some of these assets, and Bottle didn't do that. And I don't know if it was the mentality that we need to compete right now and we, we're not inter- interested in the future. The future is now. That, I think that's closed-minded because if you're not going to make the playoffs, which I didn't think this team was going to uh, – going back to January, you need to trade some of those assets for futures. Otherwise, you're just wasting them. Well, here's the thing. Like, Scandella trade happens because they were trying to get Michael Froelich because Jeff, right. Skinner, because Jeff Skinner got hurt. And right. I, I think when you talk about things that are damning, damning on the record for a GM – that's a pretty that's a pretty big one to me because you lose a guy like Skinner to an upper body injury for weeks and he was already struggling to get going he was starting to find his way and then you know he gets popped up high and you know the stuff happens but when you look to replace a guy like that and you can't do it from within because I mean they're running low on forwards and you can't replace somebody you can't replace somebody like Skinner with somebody out of Rochester I mean they already did that with Olsen by 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 him making the team more or less but yeah um but when you're trading Scandella, who was having an outstanding season in Buffalo, and he was going to be gone at the end of the year anyways as a, as a free agent, they right. they weren't going to retain him. Right. But if you're but if you're selling low on him to free up the money to get a guy like Froelich, who just it, it didn't work here, yeah. to replace Skinner, then it's it's problem gets compounded by one another problem, and then another problem replaces it, and it's just. You know, really it's things like that where you know yeah. the either the pro scouts have got to be better or you got to find somebody else who has that well, same there's a coaching thing too yeah. mike told me joe that that kruger retained all his coaches okay great mm-hmm. but frolik is known for penalty killing and when he was in buffalo he wasn't good at it and it does make you wonder even his shooting percentage went way down the gutter where mm-hmm. it never has been before and you do have to wonder at some point what's actually being taught to these guys and it's not all on kruger he needs the right support staff. And you. I kind of wonder, does he have the right support staff? Well, I think Well, I, I think there were, Kruger felt fortunate that Steve Smith was already here right. um, because he had him in Edmonton. And I think that, I mean, that helps Kruger out a lot too. Right. But, um, but when it comes to the PK, I mean, a lot of people want to hang that on Steve Smith's head. Well, Steve Smith coached it the year before and they were 12th in the league. So, right. you know, but I mean, that kind of stuff that, that falls on the head coach. It's the head coach's system. And, you know, the, the players when asked about it, they said, they said, well, you know, it's, you know, it's the same players. It's the same execution. You know, it's the same thing, but we weren't executing. It's like, well, no, I, I can watch the tape and see that it's yeah. a whole different thing. It, <laughs> yeah. you know, it, was, it was being worked out in a different way. And yeah, yeah. Kruger owned it. He said, you know, that's up to me. I've got to fix that. And I've got to address it. I mean, I mean, I really going to go back for a second because I really did the whole picking up of Froley. I mean, as a person who's covered the entire NHL, you might, you know, and I've I've heard many, many franchises say the same thing you're saying about Froley. <laughs> it's not, this is not the first time, you know, I've heard of organization disappointed in what they got out of Froley. You know, like it, it's like, and that's kind of, that's the kind of thing that bothered me when they made that trade. I'm like, if this is, if they're hanging their, you know, salvation on this guy and they're not, that, that was really, that's where I wonder about Botterill because it, it's, I always look to GMs as like doing their homework, like talking to other GMs and what these guys are all about, you know. They they really came in. He, 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 I mean, he has sure he, he's got talent and he, he's oh yeah. No question he's got skill, but he does tend to disappoint. Like he tends to be one of the guys that people just are disappointed with. Like I, we have one of our guys in the chat room is the Randy's the Calgary guy. Who, um, you know, and he's, 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 he writes to you, Joe, for a leak work nowhere. Like, 
This is like, and, and I've seen this with so many different organizations. Then. I think that's wrong. I think he played well in Chicago, but it wasn't for a long period of time. Right. He plays, he has skill, like, and he's going to play well at times, you know, but it's like, there's such like a level of like, you know, what are you getting out of him? And th that team needed, the Sabres needed a guy that you knew what you were getting. But you know what? It's what's true is, and that's what Joe said earlier, that is the trouble of trying to, let's say, trade for a good penalty killer. Right. Because, mm -hmm. like, that's a guy who's been pretty good at the penalty kill. You don't want to spend big money in free agency for to upgrade your penalty kill. You really don't. Right. No. But here's what's going on this summer with, with I mean, really where they are now is really kind of interesting. Like, I don't think the Sabres are in as bad shape as, as Mike. Oh, is. no. They're oh, in bad my shape. God. You know, I'm going to be the optimistic guy here. And everyone's God, gonna, we knew that. I mean, yeah. we can call everyone's that. Everyone's going to me for that. But, you know, I, watch. Yeah, you me. give the honey, I'll give the vinegar. <laughs> I'm just saying, watching them play. And even though, I mean, and, you know, I know a lot of the UFAs that are gone or, you know, some of them, some of them are pretty significant. But there could be. But watching the Sabres play, there's moments when you definitely say this team is better than they are than they than yeah. they are. Like you can you can see there are moments I've I watched them in a couple games this year, you know, just kind of randomly, just like flipping around. And I, I would catch moments when I'm like, this is the Sabres team, which I just hear people because Sabres fans are not shy about complaining. So I hear, yeah. I, plenty of, I hear plenty of complaints about them. There's skill here. There's like speed here, there's talent here. Um, and I really uh and what's happening now, I'm not going to say that, you know, with the, with the pandemic and everything like that, I'm not going to say that's ever a good thing. <laughs> I'm just going to say that the way the salary cap is not going to go up is going to hurt a lot of teams. And the teams like the Sabres, who have a lot of money to spend, are going to benefit from it in a big way. They spend it, Eck. He might yeah, not spend gonna, it. They're going to spend some of it, okay? There's my positive thoughts. Let me finish my positive thoughts, then you guys can continue on. <laughs> positive thoughts here. Just just give the Sabres a second. Positive thought thinking. I mean, I think that if if Botterall can step up to the plate, using Kruger as a you know to help him, obviously to put this team together right, there are the kind of players out there that can be gotten for not too much money because there's not a lot of money. Teams are going to have a lot of money to spend, so there's going to be players that you can get, you know, that you're going to be able to get your penalty killer type players for less than you and for less than you normally would. And that's going to benefit them in a lot of ways. And the fact that Eichel, you know, who is speaking up and saying all these things is a very healthy thing for an otherwise sometimes dysfunctional organization. People sit there and they say Eichel is speaking up as a bad, you know, he wants to get, she's going to want to get traded or whatever in the future. It's actually healthy to hear Eichel saying things he's saying, because mm. in my mind, that's the kind of thing that gets an organization going. That's the kind of thing that gets his, gets his teammates going. He's showing his leadership. He's a leader. He's not asking to be traded. He's like, I'm, he's basically saying, I'm here for, I'm yeah. here for my career. And if I'm here for my career, I'm going to have to, therefore, we're going to have to be better. And and that, that to me is a very healthy thing. That's uh, let, 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 before Mike, you just let, throw let, let Joe respond first, but I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll insert the word regarding Eichel yet, yet. He's not going to request a trade. Yet, no, he's not going to request a trade. Well, uh, I, I, I let my house this, Mike, that Michael well, never requests the trade because he's like, <laughs> don't bet your house. Give me a break. Well, I want, I want, I want to hear Joe's opinion on this first. Uh, I, it, it, well, it goes back to the point that it, it's a ton of pressure on on Bottrell, and yes, it's, it is. It, it's, I mean, I, I'm looking, I'm looking at their cap friendly situation, and you just see that column for next season where it's, you know, it's yeah. a lot of red and blue. Yeah, and, you know yeah. RFA's and UFA's and all that, and you start yeah. thinking about how like how this is going to get filled in. Well, you, you got to figure Dylan Cousins is going to be one. You got to mm -hmm. figure Casey Middlestat's going to get another honest to goodness shot. Um, you know, and his his RFA payment's not going to be not going to be very big. Right. Um, 
you know, Artu Rutsalainen is going to get uh, probably a much more honest shot at it after he had a great season in Finland. Right, yeah. um, and you're looking at, yeah, I mean, forward wise, that's that's probably about all you're all, all you're adding from within, unless you're going to bank on filling out those bottom layers with with guys like John Sebastian D or you know uh, Rasmus Asplund or somebody like that. But you're not, you're not doing right. That. I mean, you're not you're not you're not counting on those guys, but. Um, but I mean, when you know you're talking about maybe bringing Wayne Simmons back, and I mean you're not doing that at five million, you know five. No, million. he's not going to. I think the reason they brought Simmons on, right? They, they brought him on because Kruger wanted that kind of that kind mm-hmm. of player in the room. It was like they right. needed that, and that was smart. I thought that was incredibly smart, and we, we were everybody was complaining about it when it happened, and because you know why would you make this change? Because it didn't do anything for yeah, him. It, it that, doesn't they, not they, do anything for him. It doesn't. They, not, they, had, they had other problems to address. Yeah, they, they right. sold and they bought at the same time. That's schizophrenic. No, you're, buy, you're buying something in Simmons. You're not buying him to like make, make him the players. You're buying him to bring him in to show him what's going on to get introduce him back. Maybe their next year for less money. I hear, I hear you, Ak, but, but were the Sabres a much better team with Simmons there? No, they weren't. Yeah, but no, but not now. I mean, the, the Simmons well, is they, they, it, it's Simmons not a lock. He's coming back. Sometimes Ak. it's not about statistics on the ice. It's about what he's building in the room there. That is very important. It's very, yeah. very important for that sure. team. Michael, yeah, but, needs, Michael needs an ally who can be the, be tough with him in there and say, like, this is what's going to – you know, that, that's what he needs. He's a kid. Yeah. Well, let, let me – Let me let, let, talk. Sorry. I'm, I go well, he's basically made that request. He says, you know, we need veterans. We need we need more toughness. I mean, he's he made that pretty clear, you know, in his end of season uh, press conference. You know, and uh, to me, that's where you start looking around at guys that you can bring in that you know you might not have to pay a lot for. I mean, that, that's why I kind of circled, you know, when I was doing a breakdown of you know who stays, who goes, you know, a while ago, I put a big circle around a guy like Patrick Maroon. Because he, he hits, he checks all those boxes for, yeah. for what they're learning. He's a veteran and he's a tough guy and he stands up for his teammates. That's the kind of stuff that people here have been been yelling about having on this team for a while. And I can guarantee that if if a guy like Maroon's out there and you know Eichel's getting run by somebody or Darlene's getting run by somebody, right. Maroon's gonna be right on top of him the yeah, next shift yeah. out there, or if he's out there with him, he's gonna be right there to get him. And and Maroon's a special guy because he can score, he can do these things, mm-hmm. and he's not just a guy who's out there to, yeah. to just roughhouse. So you know, I think that's the sort of guy you have to look to to try to add and address. And you don't want to play him, you know, eighteen minutes a night. That's that's not the best way to do it. But right. um, but I mean, if you're going to fill out those bottom ranks and you're going to replace a guy like Gergensen's or you're going to you know you're going to add something else to your fourth line, that's that's the direction to go. That way, it frees up that you know opportunities for guys in those upper lines to be able to, to, to do more. And all right, if so, you're looking at it, I mean, if you're looking at having cousins and middle stat in your lineup next season, you're going to need some guys that are going to be yeah. able to, 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 to play the boss and, yeah. and, and yeah. be able to stand up for him. Absolutely. All right. So, so cousins, do you want him to be Kirby Dotch where he gets 23 points on the season, which is a likely outcome at his age or, What's what's the hope? I mean, you're not going to put him on the second line. If they throw him into the second line, they're doing the same thing they've been doing over and over again. Right. And that's that's what they can't afford to do. That's and that's why I've been saying since last summer that they needed to add another center to the line. They needed to add another. They needed a second or third line center right. to get in there to kind of soften the blow for everybody. And I don't mean like. I don't mean like somebody who's an actual third line center that you throw into the second line situation. I mean somebody who's a tweener that you can play in either of those and allow that young player to grow into that spot as opposed to 
what happened with Middlestat, where you know O'Reilly gets traded over the summer, and then they did nothing to to address. Well, they added Patrick Berglund, but that was obviously <laughs> screwed up. He ran um, away from the team. I get it. right, and 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 it didn't help that Housley played him on the fourth line either when everybody right. was thinking he was going to be the second line guy. But right. um, but I, yeah, I, think a lot, I think a lot more went into that, anyways. But I mean, you yeah. you have to you have to get some you have to get a cushion. You need a veteran player to cushion that blow to soften it, whether that means keeping Larson and playing him as your third line guy yeah. and, and doing it that way. And then getting somebody who's that tweener where you, you don't feel bad about playing them fourth line minutes. If cousins evolves or middle stat evolves or whatever the case, but you, you can't throw them to the wolves. You cannot well, do that. Right. I think putting him in its center might be throwing him to the wolves because they're not going to put him on the fourth line. I would prefer to start Cousins on the wing. He right. still doesn't have the physical strength he's going to have in two years. And so you might be throwing him into the wolves as a center. You might. And that, and no, that, I, I think that's an honest worry. I think that's yeah, a, I think, yeah. I think that's been discussed from the get-go when he got drafted because yeah. people started talking about him being a winger at some point. And, yeah. Everybody here freaked out about it because they're like, "No, he's a center. We need a center. We right. need a center." And it's I mean, like, he's well, got a great shot. Maybe not at nineteen. He right. does remind me of Marner a little bit. It's funny. It's um, he has like a Marner type. Yeah, but thing. Marner's not six three. I mean, he's a, yeah. he's a big kid. Oh, he's I know he's three. big, but but I'm just saying the kind of the way he plays. Like he's a definitely as he, he's a winger who could who, he's he's a he's a center, but you can see him on the wing still being a good playmaker. But I, here, that's that's I know where you see it from. You know? But here's here's the concern I have about where the Sabers are in terms of you know Eichel's the number one center. He's he's one of the probably ten best forwards in the league. The number two center has been an issue obviously since they traded O'Reilly. And look what they've done since then. They 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 got fooled because Middlestat scored six points in seven games at the end of the season, thinking he was ready. He clearly wasn't. Uh, he he struggled through his first season. Now you know they, I know they sent him down to Rochester. Maybe he's straightened out, but right now he's at a sort of a crossroads. Uh, they bring in Marcus Johansson to play out of position. He was a winger for like the last six years of his career. They bring him in to play center. He was not a fit there. Then they even they they even uh, fooled around with Dominic Cahoon after they got him from Pittsburgh, uh, uh, playing him at center. I don't know if whether he's a center or not. And now you're talking about putting a 19-year-old like Cousins, even though he's physically a different type of player than uh, than Middlestat. Putting a 19-year-old in that situation again is just repeating the same mistake over and over. And I I just don't get it why they keep doing that. They need to trade for a number two center because right now none of their options I think will pan out in terms of helping them immediately. Well, that's why I brought up this Timothy Timothy in the chat room brought up this question, which which we've ta- which has been mentioned before. But I think it, it's uh, it's an interesting one, Joe. Um, the Sabers could trade for Tyler Johnson. Yeah, you know, that that's something I kicked around the, the thought of as like yeah. maybe that's a guy to maybe that's a guy to keep an eye on, and you know I I know Tampa's chock full of that, but yeah. uh, I, I to me that's a move that's a move the Sabers should have made after they moved O'Reilly. Um, yeah. That that's something that should have been done before. I think at this point now, uh, with John, you know how old Johnson? He's twenty nine. He's got he's got three more years after this at five million a piece. That's a move they can't make. Yeah, I think that I think they're in a spot now where you can't do that trade. He's got Seattle written all over him. He's from oh, yeah. Washington State. I'll give you a pretty good deal at five million dollars for three years. I think that's not bad. I'll give you your typical Saber signing, and I can see it happening only because I don't think they're going to spend big money on top guys out there. You know, Ryan Strome. I can see them bringing in Ryan Strome. That would that would solve one of their center spots. He'll cost you five million because he's making three now because he's had a really good year. 
Yeah, that seems like a Sabres move, and I'm but not sure that's enough. You know, well, those I don't, I don't know if that's a good thing, Russ, because we know both of us know that Ryan Strom was pretty much a creation of Artemi Panarin being on his line. I know, but I'm just saying that's a typical thing that I could see the Sabres doing. I'm not saying it's the best thing. I'm just saying, because even if you trade, we were talking, Mike and I were talking about this, Joe, even if you trade for Johnny Goudreau, you are now giving up assets you really can't afford to give up anymore. That's why it's better to solve it in free agency. But again, we don't know if the owner is going to spend the money. Well, the, the in free agency, I don't, I don't know who you're solving it with there. Uh, I, well, mean, I mean, if the Sabres are going to solve anything in free agency, it's, it's finding another scoring winger, but right. are you going to, are you going to spend seven or 8 million on Mike Hoffman when you're going to be, when you might have to spend that money on Sam Reinhardt to keep him, or are you got to well, spend okay, so here you know, eight million thing. a year for for Rasmus Dahlin? The wrist aligning situation is so important, right? Because that's that's where mm-hmm. you that's where you can make this happen. That's that's the guy who can maybe get you the guy that you need. Like he's he's and 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 he's been on and off. Like he he did request a trade, and then he didn't request a trade. And then he, you know, and now he and he liked to play with Kruger, but then he didn't do so well with Kruger as time went on, right? So it's, it's sort of what do you? What are your thoughts on him? He's such a huge. He's such a huge part of this off season in my mind. Yeah, it's. I thought he was going to be a huge part of yeah. <laughs> the last off season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he still is, right? Um, so, but I mean, it's. He's to me. He's. He's the. He's the hanging Chad. Basically, it's yeah. just kind of like you know, is he here? Or is he not? Like, does he count? Is he not? It's. Right. Uh, right. It, it's. It, it's the thing where he's the most. I guess he's the most easily partable. Right. Weighable. I, that's not even a word. It's not even a phrase. But <laughs> he's the guy you can that you ideally want to move if you're if you're Bottrell. And I, to me, so much of his the attention paid to him is just kind of like a hype thing, where it's yeah. you know you know put him in a better situation, he'll break out. Put him you know get him away from the Sabers, he'll be a lot better. Get you know get him to do all this. I understand all that, but I mean, still, there's so many bad habits that have been ingrained in him from having five coaches i think since he's been here you know four or five coaches and there's you know the way he when he started his career with you know under ted nolan it was really with ted nolan where he started but you know defensemen were really just kind of like hey bang it off the glass get it out of the zone and and go from there and a lot of his mistakes are still still kind of ingrained from doing that so um but i mean that's not to say that if you send him somewhere else he'll get it figured out because you know the big rumor last year was tampa you know was sending him to tampa and i was like well geez They'll get him figured out really quick, and, and he'll yeah. want the Sabers for for eternity. But yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So, Joe, so Joe but it's, on, yeah, I was gonna say on the on the Fane playoff run that they were going to go on. Why didn't they at least try Sam Reinhardt at center? Because if they found out that he could actually play there, then they could get a Hoffman or a Taylor Hall or somebody and significantly improve the the goal output on this team. But they didn't even try. Well, they've they've tried in the past. In the past, but they didn't try this year. No, uh, they they did. While Jack was, uh, while Jack had a core right. injury and he couldn't, right. win, he couldn't take faceoffs. He wasn't allowed right. to. Um, right. They gave well, it a shot, allowed to, or they, and they tried and he failed. Uh, they would not allow him to it to do it. Okay, because so it was, it was too painful. It was right. too much of a risk. Right. right. So they put Reinhardt as the as the faceoff guy, and I mean, it's no knock on Sam. He just, he can't win him at the NHL level. He's a thirty five percent faceoff guy. Okay. You can't you can't get an ozone start with your center losing you know no, three and a half out of ten. So um, that that's that's not going to work. And it's not like a knock on his defense. I mean, people love bagging on him, you know, getting back and and being a be, you know better back checker, crap like that. But I mean, the guy like Reinhardt's a great he's a great player. Um, it's just that he's learned to become a better distributor from the boards, and he plays more in the net front. 
on offense. And I think that's, that's become a really great spot for him to play. And, you know, he doesn't, you know, asking him to do the, the hard defensive responsibility stuff that centers in the NHL have to do. I think that takes away from his game. And I think that's the spot. I think that's what everybody's figured out is that he works better from, from the right wing and from around the front of the net and even from behind the net as a distributor, instead of just trying to like keep his head on a swivel track every, you know, try to keep it, keep a track on all these set, these great centers, and, and just, you know, Jack has the athletic ability. Jack has the ability to do all that. Right. He can do it. You know, it makes Reinhardt better to, to not have to do that. So, I, yeah. you know, put trying to plan him as the number two center, I just it it, it hasn't worked in the past it ha- and it's not going to work now. And I mean, right. unless it's something that like the team flat out threw down to him saying, listen, this is what we need you to do. You have to do this. And if you don't want to do that we'll we'll figure out something else but they know what they have they they have a really great player that 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 can distribute from the from the half wall that can play out of the corners can get to the front of the net and i think that's fine i mean if, if you got a guy like that where he's getting you 25 points or 25 goals and 60 points a season why change it you already have like that's that's o'reilly yeah, that's 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 million dollar player like you need that could be a seven million dollar player that's they like have that. such a need that it's going to be hard to to fill these needs. That's the well, point. Well, let, I mean, me, let me just, let me just say, do it. you can't just like square peg round hole. You just, I know. I think that, I think that's the point they're at with Reinhardt now is you okay. can't just force them to do that. Let, let me just say this, that there's any truth to these Ristolainen rumors, which we heard all over the, uh, you know, throughout the year about Tampa, the guy they're asking for in a trade, and maybe they won't get it. Maybe uh, uh, Julian Breesbaugh will not make this deal. The guy they're asking would ask for in that trade is not Tyler Johnson. It's Anthony Sorelli because they will, they would want yeah. somebody younger, and it's probably not going to happen. But they would want somebody in their early twenties, not a guy who's twenty nine, because this team is not ready to win right now. That's the problem. Now, Joe, they've got five UFAs: Simmons, Furleek, VC, Gergensons, Larson. Of those five, I think there's no chance that Furleek is back. I think there's no chance that VC is back. What about the other three? You know, I. VC wasn't as bad as a lot of people wanted to say he was. Um, he, he just didn't score, which I mean, hey, that was that counts for about eighty percent of the team. He just didn't score. Right, right. right. Um, I, I think out of that group, I think you're. I think I think there's a difference between seeing best chance and most more likely. Sure. Uh, uh, could, because I think the the best the, the best guy to keep is Larson because I think he steadies out your like he takes care of your the bottom part of your forward group. I think that's, sure. that's the, that's where he's best. Um, does he want to stay though? I mean, you know, maybe he's sick of losing, you know, I mean, he, you know, they, we, he's affectionately referred to as grumpy Larry, you know, in the room. <laughs> I mean, losing is not something that sits well by him. I mean, he's been, he's been part of some really great Swedish teams in the past. So, I mean, you know, at what, at what point is he fed up with it? Yeah. Um, for him and, and, and Gergensen's like, those guys are UFAs for the first time. Mm-hmm. They've been in this organization, you know, except for Lar- I mean, Larson hasn't, but because uh, he was in Minnesota before. But I mean, you know, this, these are guys that have been around a lot of losing. And right now you have to it's basically like an, a, a judgment time where, like, do they feel they see the light at the end of the tunnel right there? Or is it further down the road and they got to spend their, you know, they got to spend more time trying to get out of it. I, and I think that's I think that's where you see guys like Gergensen and Larson maybe just kind of exploring other offers and saying, all right, well, if somebody else wants me, cool. I mean, Gergensen is, is in a different spot because he has he has a home in Pittsburgh. So uh, he, yeah. just, he just bought a home in Pittsburgh, I think it was a year or, two, a year or so ago. So, I mean, 
you know, that that's where he and his wife are at. So, you know, maybe he's, maybe he's got eyes to maybe go closer to that, you know, to go to Pittsburgh. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I think when you look at Simmons, I think Simmons is, he's, he's the perfect veteran to add because he's close to, you know, he's from close to here. He's from Scarborough, Ontario. Right. Um, he doesn't necessarily want to play for the Leafs. And I don't think the Leafs would have him in the first place. Yeah. Uh, so close to home. And I, it's, it's a position for him to be, you know, that veteran leader. It's a little, di- it's a lot different than when he was in Philly. Um, right. So it's, it's a different situation and it's probably a better situation than Jersey, yeah. which sounds weird to say. Um, but yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I think Simmons at a million dollars, I think, yeah, cool. You know, yeah. I mean, Simmons has already made a ton of money. So, I mean, you don't, necessarily have to you don't have to bust the bank too big for him but uh but if it's simmons and larson's that stay i, I think they're better off for larson staying but i mean gergensen's i think you can find another guy like that out there and that's no knock on gergensen's he had a great season but yeah um but i mean i don't know it's out of that ufa group it's it's not really a lot of guys where you're just like oh gotta have them but i think larson's yeah, right. the closest to that well, yeah, Gergen, I mean, the only thing about Gergensen, obviously, is like you talked about that line that he was with with, with Larson. There was 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 your best line at times. Mm-hmm. Whether they want to keep that thing, you know, that that if you have something, you know, that Kruger can hang his hat on, he's probably going to look for something to hang his hat on. You know, like he can say, okay, that that at least I have that. You know, that helped. Yeah. And but, they, I mean, they haven't had a line that drove possession so hard in the other direction like that in a long time. Right. Uh, right. That, that was able that like a true energy line that you know just didn't come out and try to punch you in the mouth they were just like no we're going to take the puck from you and we're just going to we're just going to hang on to it that they haven't had a line that's able to do that in a very long time and that i mean that even counts some of jack's jack's lines where it was you know if they had the puck they were probably going to score um i mean that's a different sort of threat but you know usually when the team put you know team puts their fourth line out against you you're like all right time let's time to load up and and score those guys didn't let you do it right and now that they were fun to watch um now, even though even though they have, I think it's thirty one million. If, they, if the cap stays flat at eighty one point five, they have about thirty one million in cap space. Um, even though they have that much space and they have all these restricted free agents with arbitration eligibility, you still have to re-sign Montour, extend Montour if you want to keep them, and Reinhardt, as we mentioned. Do you think that a salary like Colin Miller, who I think clearly did not work out in Buffalo, is something that they would probably look to jettison to open up more space to pay Reinhardt seven million or something like that? Because I think you're not going to get him for any any cheaper than seven million a year. I think that's one where the debate is. I think that depends, and honestly, if it falls on Ristolainen, because I think if you move Ristolainen, I think Miller's not going to go anywhere, right? Um, exactly. Uh, because uh, because then you're looking. If you move one of those two, your your right side defense is then going to be it's either Ristolainen, you know, you either have Ristolainen, I mean, ideally your right side defense, uh, I should say, is is Ristolainen, Montour, and Yoki Haru, or it's Miller, Montour, and Yoki Haru. I mean, I I guess you could entertain the idea of trading Montour, but uh, but I don't think he's worth that much right now. But I, well, there's that, and <laughs> I, I think there's the, there's also the the fact that he gave up a first round pick to get him, so that means you right. got to you got to build that value back up anyways. But, um, but I, I think, I think with Miller, you know, he's at a lower cost. He's a useful player. I mean, you know, he's, he's got a good head on his shoulders and he, and he kind of gets it too. So, I mean, that there's that part of it, but, um, but again, it's the, it's the risk alignment thing all over again, where you got to figure out what you're doing there, because if you move 
one of those guys, that means you can have Will Borgen as your seventh. You right. can, you know, you can, you can bring him up and, and have him be your, your, your heavy guy because that's his game is he hits people and he'll fight people and he doesn't care. So, right. I mean, that, that, that's an element that that's been, that's been kind of missing out of the, the Sabres defense for a while, but, yeah. um, but that's where, that's where, you know, again, the problem was, you know, they had nine defensemen. Well, how do you figure it out? You got to move a guy at some point. And that's what he's been very reticent to do because he loves having a, a lot of defensemen, but, Boy, oh boy, when you got nine NHL guys on your roster, like you got to do something. You got to move a guy. Well, the tough thing about it, I mean, you're in a division where you have three teams that are pretty much assured to make playoffs for the next five years. You know, like, I mean, it seems like, you know, like, the, and that's, that's a really hard spot to start from. You know what I mean? Like, most divisions, yeah. you, you, know, you can say that division is not strong, but it, but it has, and it's not strong at the bottom sometimes, but man, the top of it. <laughs> You know those teams aren't going anywhere. Like Tampa's not going to. Tampa's Tampa's making the playoffs. Toronto's making the playoffs, and Boston's making the playoffs. Those those teams are all making the playoffs for. The- yeah, but but right now for the next three or four years, Montreal's not making the playoffs. Ottawa's not making the playoffs, and Detroit's not making the playoffs. So it's sort of, but you know, it's oh, like yeah, I mean, you know, fighting for four and five. I don't know about I, Montreal. I don't know about. I mean, Ottawa could. Ottawa could. You know, because they have Ottawa's a lot of young talent, and they'll grow. But I, I mean, they're they're sort of in the middle of the pack, act. Yeah, but you've got you only have really one. You've got an incredible metro division. So basically, I mean, if you're gonna those top three teams are gonna make it, then you got to be a you're you're looking at a wild card team where you've got to beat out somebody from the metro division, which is really you know that that metro division is solid. Like there's seven teams in that division that are better than you. So when you look at it, you know you've got you've got to come in in fifth at least, you know, in the metro division essentially to make the playoffs. Well, that's that that's 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 what really. um, I mean, how much Joe does. Are they looking at like you know Toronto, Boston, and, and Tampa, and saying that that's what we got to compete against? Are they building to are they building to play those teams in essence? You know, well, they always look at them as measuring stick games. Yeah, and, you know, I, I mean, that's that's the only way you can really look at it when you're when you're not on that level, yeah, talent wise. And you know, they they played some of they honestly played some of their best games this year against Boston and against Tampa. Yeah. Um, but I think they lost every single one of them. Right. Um, so it, it, it but like they weren't badly play games. It was those games where, you know, you make one, one mistake or two mistakes and both of them are behind you. And that's the difference. Yeah. And, you know, those are games that you ideally want to learn from and build off of, but I mean, that story has been beaten into the ground here for four or five years at least. So, oh, yeah. um, that, yeah. but I mean, but I mean, Eck, you're, you're on point here with, with the, 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 the playoff part, because you, yeah. you, you almost can't think about getting the third. I mean, it took yeah. Toronto having their head in the sand for, yeah, for three or four months to think like mm, maybe, geez, maybe we can get to third this year, and um, <laughs> you know, it, it, you know that, that that that's what it takes. It takes one of those teams to just basically fall into a pit for a, for a long time, and, and right. hope that you can take advantage. But but you are you're competing against you're competing against you know Montreal, and Montreal has issues. Uh, you know, sure. Ottawa's not going to be Ottawa played very hard all season yeah. long. I think they're going to be better a lot sooner than, than people think. Yeah, I think that's uh, fair. Florida was was. This, I mean, they're the same goofball team. If Bobrovsky wasn't, you know, terrible all season, they're probably easily number four. And, four, yeah. um, you know, yeah. so you don't have to worry about Detroit for a long time. And Buffalo is just kind of like, mm, all right, let's not be the let's not be the seventh out of eight. And then, you know, the whole Metro division. Well, if you got to compete with all those teams for wild cards, good luck. I mean, that's yeah. Yeah. that's essentially where you're sitting at. And when you're dealing with a schedule where you're playing tons of your own conference and your own division, yeah, 
you got to really prove yourself, and you got to hope that the Metro Division doesn't whoop up on you. Well, here, here's something. Here, here's something that Russ and I talked about. Uh, the Sabers finished 25th. So you know, if uh, if there isn't one of those the eight play-in teams that win the lottery uh, on June 26th, they'll pick seventh in the first round. Um, with where Bottle is in terms of his tenuous position with the team, what do you think of the chances are of them trading that first round pick for immediate help? Because we know that now, obviously he's not going to throw everything at, at, at winning one, one year, but he, he has to think of self-preservation and the possibility of losing his job if he doesn't make the playoffs. And if you trade your first round pick and get a player that helps you, that improves your chances. What do you think the chance of them possibly moving their first? You you got to make it a home run. <laughs> you got to make it a home run if you're making the deal. Um, yeah, you think think about how Tim Murray still gets killed for for oh, yeah. trading trading a first for Robin Leonard, and you know the Sabers were going to use that first round pick on a on a goalie anyways. Would have been Ilya Samsonov. That would have been yeah probably okay. Yeah, um, that would have that would have been a nice pick. Um, <laughs> but at the same point, you know Leonard wasn't a, he wasn't a bad pick. I mean he no. he ran into some very bad problems here obviously right. I mean, with life but he played excellent i mean you can't deny that he played some very outstanding goaltending i always say he played good in the winter classic game actually i was looking to see just for fun how many positive buffalo sabers tweets i've had recently and i'd have to go back to when he was the goalie with the winter classic honestly back <laughs> eichel that, was, that yeah. was he was good then yeah so i mean it, they, they, it was a it was a good trade it was just you know, that was Murray pushing all of his cards, you know, saying like, we're not going to, I'm not going to sit around five years and wait for this rebuild to, to totally take, take hold. I, we got to get to the playoffs. Well, right. it's a right idea. It was just the wrong execution, but that trade, right. you know, I mean, giving up a first that, that's a lottery pick is, is really hard. So, I mean, unless you're going after a guy like, I don't know, like a Tomas hurdle or somebody where, you know, they're going to be like an instant impact. And right? under you know, contract for years. And, Right, and they're and they're squared away, and they're going to fill an immediate need. They're going to take charge, and it's not somebody who's just going to get here and be like, "Well, well, glad we're done here." That's yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah, everything's yeah. all square. I mean, that you got to make it. You got to make it a, an absolute winner. I would. I'm the reason trading is that first round pick this year makes me so nervous is that they <laughs> they just still can't get a lot of development out of the system and. Um, I think if you're picking at seven, eight, nine, or ten, uh, you're waiting a year, two years, maybe. For, oh, I for think that you're waiting longer than that. I think you're waiting minimum three. I, actually, the, the the least wait would be the goalie, Askarov. And if they don't want a goalie, their minimum wait's going to be at least three years for any of those mm -hmm. guys from seven to ten. Well, they. I mean, I, I'm a little nervous about taking a goalie because you've got you know you have Lukanen who's who's yeah. in the next in the line, and then you have Portillo who's going to be not too far behind him. Right. Um, and then, you know, if you got an Askarov to that, well, okay, he's in Russia. He can play in the K for a while or whatever, and you can just kind of set it and forget it until it's, you want to bring him over. But at that point, if you've already got – if you have Lukin and Portillo both – Maybe. But that's – Both make it, then okay. But, I mean – But what's I, the odds they're both making it? Like, that's a maybe, right? It's always – Yeah. It's, it's a big maybe. And – that's goaltending, though. Like that's the way I know, it works. but he could be ready in two years. He could have one year in the K and be ready. Mm -hmm. Pekka Lukanen, even in his best AHL year, may not be ready to make an NHL jump. Omar could be the guy, but he could be like a mediocre NHL number one for 
you know, and then that's not going to help me either. I'm just saying, if you're going seven to 10, any of those guys, you're waiting three, four years. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, getting more players that can come through your system. And I, that, I know that falls on being better at picking guys low, later in the draft. Yeah. Um, and it's really hard to evaluate their system now because they have so many players in Europe sure, who are just sure. kind of, Again, it's the set it and forget it thing. Like if they're playing over there, you don't you don't have to bring them over here. If they're playing, well, we the league, Rochester the one day. Playing SNL, then yeah, yeah, we went through Rochester one day, and they just don't score goals in Rochester. They no, but they defend and they have right. goal Right, <laughs> you know. So I but mean, they can't it, score. Um, <laughs> there you go. I mean, we, we are out of time, guys. Uh, that was a really quick. I was couldn't believe I came. I'm like, whoa, to the clock. 215. Thank you, Joe, so much for giving you so much time today. We really appreciate it. Thanks, oh, Joe. It's nice to talk hockey when there's literally nothing else going on. I know. It's probably, we get into doing this live. Like, well, wait, wait, I guess it is 215. Do people still want to? <laughs> so, yeah, I know, but we really appreciate it. And we'd love to have you back again for sure. And thank you so much. Be safe. Oh, yeah, be safe for sure. Um, and we'll be back again tomorrow, guys. Uh, remember, without the buzz, it is just hockey. We will talk to you. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.